welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Joshua Marcotte. He is a street photographer here from uh, San Jose, California. He has an amazing website everybody should check out. It's called LostSanJose.com. Uh, I think it's a good idea for you to check it out before we head over to his interview so you have an idea of what we're talking about when we start talking about his photography. But on top of that, we also have another film review with Wheels on Reels. Lately, he has gone through this uh, lovey-dovey phase, and I think that's why he went to go see this rom-com called The Big Sick, which is Judd Apatow's latest film. And I don't think he directed it. He produced it, but he collaborated with Kumail Nanjiani. So stay tuned for that uh, review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the GMS Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. And guess what, people? We are now available on Google Play. We've made it on Google Play. So if you prefer the Android apps to listen to your podcast, go on Google Play and search for JMS Podcast and subscribe, will ya? What you waiting for? All right. If you want to follow the JMS Podcast on social media, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all there, people. And please visit the JMS Podcast website, jmspodcast.com. You can see all the great content that is available to you right there and right then and now. All right, people, I hope it's a great Sunday for you. I know this uh, episode's coming a little late. I kind of uh, went, uh, I, I need to work on my managing of time. I went to go see a concert last night, uh, a local band, Cola. Uh, Cliff Rawson's band, actually. He's been on here a couple times, and I think I stayed out a little, little too late. A little too late. I, I couldn't get around to getting this episode up and ready. So my apologies one, one more time, but it is still a great episode today. So let's kick it off, and let's go see what Jacob Wheels is up to on the, his latest film review of The Big Sick. But uh, I'm happy to have you back in the studio, man. Thank you. It's been a while. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay if I mention to the uh, to the audience that mm-hmm. you have you are officially off the market? I am. Congrats. Yes. I figure you being the best film critic in San Jose, you have women just uh, jumping themselves on yeah, you. Yeah, I just I have to hit them. And I you have <laughs> to beat these women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, get the fuck off me. <laughs> get th- but uh, you managed to stay away from them, mm-hmm. and you you found someone special. I'm happy to hear that. Someone special found me. All right. Looks like you you won't be watching these films by yourself anymore. Nope. Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm, and I, I'm happy for you, mm-hmm. and your large fan base here is mm-hmm. happy for you. Yeah. yeah. So what film did you see this w- I, uh, week? I went to go see The Big Sick. The Big Sick. That is the latest film by, uh, oh, God, why am I blanking his name? Uh, what do you th- I, Michael Showalter. Right, but Judd Apatow's behind this one, right? He produced it. It's, he, his, it's his production studio. Right, so it's the latest from Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. And it's starring uh, Kumal Nanjiani. Is that how yep. you pronounce his name? Yep. And uh, Ray Romano is also in this. Ray Romano. And uh, the interesting thing about this film, mm-hmm. it's actually based on true events, right? Yeah, it's based off his, uh, I, I guess it's based off of his life or him meeting his wife and like the shit he had to go through. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I guess the biggest tension here is that he is Indian and mm-hmm. she is... He's uh, Pakistani. He's Pakistani. Calm the fuck down, Jorge. <laughs> Not all Pakistanis are Indian. Not all Indians are Pakistani. You racist son of a bitch. I thought you were Indian, man. 
What? What? Okay, right. not all Mexicans all right. are Indian. All right. Not There's all Indians the, are Mexican. I'm talking about we're fucked in the future. If, if anybody was to dig up the, these audio files. Look, look, you can't call me Indian. I'm trying to be president. You know, everyone knows Indians can't be president. All right. <laughs> everyone knows. All right. So anyway, uh, Kumal, he is Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually met his, his real wife. Yeah, uh, she's a white lady. A white lady in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think it was, well, in the movie it was, uh, it was Chicago. Okay. And then, yeah. So... So tell me about the plot. Uh, so basically, the plot is uh, Kumal. Uh, am I saying his name right? No, is Kumal is that his name in the movie as well? Yeah, it's like his his name in real life is exactly the name in the movie, kind of mm-hmm. like Will Smith. Uh, but anyways, Kumal is a stand up comedian. Uh, Wait, when did Will Smith have play a character called Will Smith? Uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He, I don't think it was called. Was he his called name Will? Wasn't Will? Oh, I don't know. They didn't say his last name. I could just assume it was Smith. What All right. Think it was like Will Black. Okay. Is that what you thought it was? <laughs> I don't know. Jesus. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, Kumal, he's a, a comedian. Uh, he's doing his set, and then uh, in, in the middle of his set, one of the uh, one of the ladies, the his love interest, ends up heckling him, heckling her, uh, heckling him. And uh, you know, they hit it off. At, they hit it off. There's this. There's this through line where there's this big uh, show promoter, show producer for like the Montreal Comedy Festival or something like that. Uh, and then he ends up just like dating this uh, dating this white lady, but he doesn't tell his his parents. And his mom's always trying to set up up on dates. Like she's always they're always they're always having dinner, and then she brings some Pakistani girl because they're trying to trying to hook him up, you know, because they have the the arranged marriage. Uh, and it's just basically like like there's tension because he doesn't really tell his mom about this white lady. Uh, and then it turns out she she ends up in a coma, toward halfway through the movie. Did she fell off a bridge into a, a truck? <laughs> that was <laughs> an inside joke between <laughs> me, me and Jacob here. So she Jake fa- Wheels. So is that why it's called the Big Sick? So yeah. So like like well, before she gets in a coma, before she it's a medically induced coma that he actually puts her through because she has heart problems, and then like the doc he he ends up getting stuck at the hospital because she he cares about her, and the doctor kind of like hey we need to put this lady in a coma. I need how, you. To how sign was it for his it. fault? It wasn't his fault. So they broke up. So let me let me go back a little bit. Okay. So they broke up uh, because she found out that uh, that he wasn't telling your parents. Like, he wasn't telling anyone that he was dating a white woman. Uh-huh. Well, except for his friends, you know. Okay. Uh, but then they get into this, this big argument. Like, they break up and they don't see each other for a while. And then she ends up in the hospital and one of her friends calls her up and he's like, Hey, there's no one here to watch over her. I'm going to need you to watch over her. You know what I mean? So he goes up there because he still likes her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's still in love with her. And then, like, like the doctor comes up to him and he's like, hey, look, we need to put her in a coma now. We need you to sign the paper. You know, so he signs the paper and she's in a coma. And then her parents come by and that's, and then, he's, you know, his parents are mad because, you know, they know he's a piece of shit who lies. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just kind of like, like the whole middle part in the movie is him interacting with her parents, uh, played by Ray Romano and that one lady. How, how did Ray Romano do in this film? I actually really fucking I love Ray Romano. I think he's a great actor. I think he's very underrated. Yeah, yeah. As a modern actor, I I, I bet he was cool in the nineties, uh, but like he was really funny, like a really awkward dad, who like thinks he's funny and like. Well, it's a dramatic role, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, and I, it, I mean it has like it's 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 kind of like uh, remember in in what's that one Amazon movie that you made me watch and I was super depressed after that, Manchester by the Bay, like Ma- it had, Manchester by the Sea. Oh, you know whatever. It wasn't a good movie, anyways. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No more. No more. Uh, if I remember correctly, you kind of gave it a full price. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, we don't need to listen back to my episodes. All right. Don't listen to that episode. All right. 
Anyways, it has that like it's it's dramatic, but like there's this these com- comedic elements to it too. Just like these things that are like really hilarious, even though it's kind of like this somber, somber uh, <laughs> uh, tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the movie is essentially a rom- romantic comedy, mm-hmm. but I mean, it really has a lot of heart. Mm. Like it, de- it it does tackle subjects like, what would you do if your daughter was in a coma? How would you feel if your daughter was in a coma and you had to just fucking watch her and not know, not be sure what the doc if the doctors are doing anything right, you know? And it's just like he he, like, uh, yeah. Okay. I was gonna give something away, but I didn't. But yeah, like it's 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 kind of intense at points too. And then it kind of shows how fucked up, like, his family... Not fucked up, but, you know, like, arranged marriage. Like, he's a modern American kid. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, they're trying to get these old school ways, you know, ma- arranged marriage and stuff like that. So it sounds like you enjoyed it. I did. I actually really did enjoy it. Okay, um, cool. How, yeah. How were the performances by uh, Kumala? So I had a problem with him. I feel like he doesn't have a lot of range. Mm. Uh, like, so, like, sometimes, like... Like, uh, is he similar to his character in Silicon Valley? No, I feel like he had more emotions there. At Silicon uh, Valley, in Silicon Valley, yeah, really. Because like then he was he was like mad, and he was like super nerdy and like kind of passive aggressive. And this one he just kind of plays like this like comedian dude who's just kind of like always kind of cracking, not always cracking jokes, but is like never really has like which which so so most for the most part he's mostly that character. But there's this there's this one scene where he's on stage and he's telling people like, hey, my girlfriend's in a coma, and like I kind of felt a little bit, you know what I mean. Uh, I, I kind of felt the performance a little bit stronger, uh, but it was it's only like that one part that really kind of has that. Uh, whereas the other characters kind of go through more emotions, where like Ray Romano's character goes through a lot of emotions. Uh, the the mom, the lady's mom, I don't remember the name. Uh, she's some southern uh, actress, I think. Mm-hmm. But like they went through more emotions, and he just kind of stayed the same. Okay. So I mean, it wasn't bad, but I mean, it wasn't like I, after seeing something like Manchester by the Sea. Like, bring those actors in here. Fucking bring, uh, what's his face's brother in? What is his name? Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck to be Kamal, you know, because... Like, at that point, you're just whitewashing. No, 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 he's... he's we need more diversity well, in Hollywood, dude. Yeah, no, that's why we paint him brown. Oh, jeez. We paint him brown, <laughs> we call him Pakistani, he uh, does his whole moody thing where he switches, you know, from, from emotions mm. to emotions, and it'd be fucking perfect, dude. It looks like the actress who played the mother is Holly Hunter. Who's a well-established actress? Yeah, yeah, Holly Huntress. Huntress. Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And how was the the overall atmosphere or cinematography of the film? Uh, cinematography? Well, I mean, it wasn't anything special. There were some actually awkward moments. Like, it wasn't properly... Uh, I don't know. What's that one 360 world? The, the 180 roll? Like, 180 roll? Yeah, they definitely did some weird things with that. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Okay. But it was like really weird where it's like it had a it had a, a medium shot with the with the arm in there and then the other shot wouldn't match it exactly. Oh. But other than that, like it's nothing special. Like there's no no real vis- it's not visually stunning. Okay. Movie, it's very bare bones in terms of that. How's the writing? Cuz those kind of films where it's very uh uh cinematography safe, mm-hmm. uh they would depend on the writing. Yeah. I mean, it was and the writing. acting, of course. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um but yeah, no, the, I mean, it was fine. I mean, the writing was good. I mean, the, I thought the story was cool, you know what I mean? Like, showing this guy kind of deal with, like, this comedian dude deal with fucking this lady in a coma. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, like, what if I was, what, how would I deal if I if someone I liked was in a coma? Yeah. And, uh, like, I wouldn't fucking know how I'd act. <laughs> I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't act the same way as I do now. I don't know. 
But I, I mean, it did get me thinking a bit. Like, oh shit! Like, what my if I went into coma, what would my parents be doing? Mm. Now, who the fuck cares what they would be doing? Now, here's one noticeable thing: yep. is uh, I'm looking it up, and it's a two-hour-long film. Yeah, which it is, is. kind of weird for a comedy. Comedy usually are best when they're you know short and concise. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, those Amazon Studio films are fucking nine hours long. Did Amazon produce this film? Amazon produced it. Amazon Studios. Oh, interesting. They're super long. Uh, but I mean, it held up. It held my interest. It wasn't the same thing over and over again. It was like, like it showed different sides and perspectives and stuff like that. It was it was really cool. I liked it. I dug it. All right, all right. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to cover about this film? Uh, people need to make movies. Oh, about this film. I was yeah. gonna say people should make a movie about my life. Uh, but instead of <laughs> instead of like my girlfriend in a coma, we can put you in a coma. Put me. Yeah, and uh-huh. then I have to run your your JMS yeah. podcast. Uh, yeah, okay. And. Uh, I would run your JMS podcast. I'd probably make it better. Sounds like a prophecy like, more than a, um, more than a film idea. Oh yeah, no, um, yeah, no. This film was good. Uh, yeah. It's definitely. It, I did watch it with uh, with on a date. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I mean, definitely, I I I left there feeling good. Uh huh. Um, and it is definitely a good date. Movie. Did she enjoy it? Uh, yeah, she enjoyed it. I mean, we do we do kind of mention a couple scenes. Like what do you? Uh, like there are a couple scenes like there's this uh, there's a lot of awkwardness in this movie too which I don't know why I skimmed over but there's a lot of au- people doing awkward things you know what I mean uh, like it even shows like the awkwardness of that comedian that's always doing the same bit but no one's no one's brave enough to tell him like hey that's not a good bit oh you know what I mean? they actually show that they show that because a that's lot of funny. like half some of the movie is him as a comedian like, it's like me with most of the comedians over yeah there. yeah exactly <laughs> I have my uh, open mic step up your game Fucking San Jose comedians, you fucks. Um, that that goes for me too. That goes for me too. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, no, because it does. A lot of it is like, like a bunch of comedians hanging out in the green room. Like mm-hmm. a, a couple of it is is them hanging out in the green room because mm-hmm. you know he's he's stand up comedian, so it does kind of give that vibe of like, but it doesn't lean too heavily into it. You know what I mean? Like it's not obnoxious. Like well, I noticed in the cast that Bo Burnham's in this film. Yeah. That's kind of, like, random. I mean, I don't really like him. He plays, like, a douchey guy. Like, a white douchey guy, like he does on stage. So, I mean... I mean, he doesn't have fucking great dramatic range. He's not crying or feeling excited like like Casey Affleck in a, in Manchester. Hmm. So, pretty much your time is this is a good flick for a lot of comedy uh, fans and for dates? I mean, it's not about comedy. It's, it's, it's an interesting kind of look into comedy. Actually, it's not even... Well, no, we talk a lot of shit in the comedy scene. Like, to each other, to sure. our faces, like, being funny. Sure. I mean, it does nail that. Sure. Um, I mean, I talk shit about you all the time, Jorge. I heard, I heard. Yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of sometimes wish you were in a coma. <laughs> the J in the JMS podcast could be Jacob. The way you look I'm at me, it's almost as if it's real. It's almost as no, as no, 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 no. Really... This is just an act. This is... I'm just... <laughs> Playing, hamming it up for the review, or oh, hey, I'm just hamming it up. That's what I do. That's what I'm supposed to do. You know, <laughs> ham it up, or hey. Although sometimes, you know, just, yeah. maybe, maybe you could use another host. I don't know. You know, maybe. Well, you know what, dude? You're not alone in that thought. So get in line. Uh, uh, I like to think I'm first in line, uh-huh. Jorge. So you mentioned that you saw this on a date. How's your theater going experience? What theater do you go see this in? Uh, just Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge. Uh, your go-to theater? Yeah, go. It's close by. Surprisingly, uh, no no complaints. No complaints. No complaints. I was even in the far back right. Uh-huh. 
uh-huh. of the theater. No, the far left. If you're oh, looking right. at the seats, I was hey, like, "Hey, oh. look at you! Yeah, taking her to the back room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that wasn't to the corner. That wasn't on purpose. Oh sure. Yeah, no. I mean that was the only seats available that I could sit next to her comfortably without uh-huh. anyone being all, you know, uh-huh. uh, n- close to us. Uh huh. You know. Cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. No, I put my arm around her, Jorge. I'm a gentleman. Uh-huh. I don't know if she's gonna. I, don't, I hope she. I really hope she doesn't listen to this. But uh, <laughs> no, it was fine. Like I didn't have any problems with any of the theater goers. All right, man. Like they, there was space between everyone. Cool. You know, there was there was no one made an, an unnecessary laughs. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, like I don't know. I mean, people laughed at the awkward awkward moments because that's a nervous laugh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I laugh at ner- uh, awkward moments all the time. But theater going perfect. It was a full house too fucking perfect nice it was great i loved it all right how would you rate this film uh i tell you every time i say jorge i'm not gonna rate films you have to rate i'm a not film. gonna rate the films jorge you, you have to you I'm have to give the film a rating fucking rate it man can't be should people go see it yeah go see the film that's all i'm gonna say watch it at home it's a jen apatow movie they're good at just watching it at home mm. like it's good for but i mean you don't have to see it in theaters mm. Now you mentioned everything you liked about it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything flaws you noticed? Uh, hmm. besides the acting, not really. No. Kumal, Kumal's acting. Yeah, it's just because I, I I I felt like it could have been more. You know what I mean? It could have been stronger with this with this subject matter. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's it was it was a fine film. It wasn't anything like you know the advertisements were like this is the new best just uh, rom com. Of the summer, like step up your games, rom com. Actually, I saw a poster where it said it's one of the best rom com comedies for the, for the decade. Yeah, that's quite I mean, a claim. It was, it was pretty good. I will admit, like it did have a lot of heart to it too, which I I do give it credit. But I mean, I mean, how much love can you give to someone in a coma? Like just fuck coma patients. Just pull the plug, man. <laughs> Pull the fucking plug. Get over it. Find yourself a new No wonder lady. you want me to get in a coma. You just, <laughs> you just can't wait to pull my plug, can't Look, you? You know what? I'm not. I'm not gonna admit that on 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 record. Alright. <laughs> You're not gonna on, incriminate yourself. I'm not gonna incriminate. I'm trying to fucking. I'm trying to just. I'm trying to run for pope for the popacy. For the popacy. I'm the young pope. Yeah. Jorge. I'm the new Michael Fassbender. Uh-huh. Was he in that? I do you even know what I'm talking about, Jorge? I do, and, and it's actually Jude Law. Well, you know, they're the same. Look at you, cause they're just mixing up white people. It's, they all look the same to you, don't they? Fucking, like, they don't even exist. <laughs> like, really? Like, just, just come down, one, Mexican Alex Jones. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but fuck that guy. He's probably some <laughs> some Mexican. Yeah. I know I'm the Mexican, so he's probably white, some white dude. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for coming by. It looks like you're recommending this film. I do recommend this film. And, and uh, go, go find yourself some love. All right? Just go, go find it. All right, just because you found love, all right? right this yeah. mean you have to I'm push it on other people now. I'm an expert. Like, trust me, we've been dating for, like, two whole days. <laughs> all right, I'm a fucking expert. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. All yeah. right, Jacob, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, Jacob Wheel's review of The Big Sick.
it is still currently available in theaters. Please check it out. I'm hearing good stuff. I've yet, I'm planning to go check it out soon. Do you agree or do you disagree with Jacob Wheels? Have you already seen this film? Please let me know at jmspodcast at gmail.com. I'll love to hear your take on it. And I'll love every time someone uh, gives a different opinion from Jacob and, and shoving, shoving it to his face. I'm like, yeah, there you go. See? See, Mr. Film Critic? All right, let's move on to our main guest, Joshua Marcotte. And uh, this guy is awesome. This guy came over to my studio, and he brought me a gift. He gave me this beautiful uh, photograph that he has um, in part of his collection. And it's, it's, it's uh, having hang- I'm looking at it now, having hanging in the studio. And it really fits in well. It leaves quite an impression on the guests that came in. Everything they come in, they see it, they're like, oh, man, that's a, that's a pretty cool picture. I'm like, yeah, I got it from a, from a local street photographer. It's pretty cool. So, and uh, I think we, we briefly mentioned about it uh, later on into the uh, into the interview. But if you haven't already, please check out LostSanJose.com. And I think it is a great introduction to his photography and how amazing it is. And, uh, yeah. So without much further ado, let's go talk to Joshua Marcotte. Joshua Mar- How do you pronounce your last name? Marcotte. Marcotte. Yeah. Had uh, two T's. I figured. I figured there there were silence. <laughs> is it French? Yes, it is. Cool. Uh, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, uh, it's actually the first photographer I had on. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I, I just recently got into photography. Uh, I, I I didn't take it seriously until I graduated because mm-hmm. I have a film degree, and I figure how do I keep myself visually busy? You know, because it's not like I get like a. It's not like I can really make a, a, a short film once a month or I try to be can't really so I figure I get into photography just to you know um, you know stay stay in touch with it okay the whole visual aspects of things okay and I, I think I learned I think it made me a better filmmaker actually okay because I think uh, you begin to look at things more like uh, compositions and so on and, and something like that uh, but how did you get into photography um, so uh when I was a kid, my uh, my dad, um, he was an engineer, but on the weekends he had a photography studio. And so he had a dark room in the studio and he would shoot uh, portraits, do weddings, things like that. And so for me growing up, um, having a camera around photography was just kind of a, a natural thing that was happening. It didn't seem out of the ordinary for me that you know there was always pictures being taken or there was always a camera around. Um, so, um, and I took, um, you know, intro to, to photography in high school, you know, back in the 90s, black and white, you know, shooting film. There was no digital. What high school did um, you go to? I went to Del Mar. Del Mar. Yeah. Hey, was the photography department a big thing over there? It was just a, a class that you would take. It. I don't know if it was a big thing. Oh. Um, it was just a, an elective you could take. So uh, it just sounded like something interesting, something I wanted to try. Um but uh, I never really took it seriously. It wasn't anything that I, I, I was setting out to do. Um, but it was just something that I was used to always being around. Um, the concept of a camera or documenting or taking pictures. Um, what inspired me to take pictures was... Um, so growing up, I used to mow my grandfather's lawn on the weekends. And uh, so 
I'm sure a lot of kids, you know, wouldn't want to do that or, <laughs> it, you know, it, it wouldn't be something that they would look forward to doing. But I really look forward to it because my grandfather would tell me stories about his life and growing up in San Jose and, and what it was like for him as a, as a, as a teenager and as a young man being in, in the city. And, um, Again, while I'm sure most people will be like, oh, Grandpa, not this story again, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was fascinated. I, I, I just, I loved hearing the stories, and um, as um, I, uh, you know, as the years went on, he would just tell me more and more of these collective stories, and so in, in my teenage mind, and I, I didn't explore San Jose a lot, um, I, I had this vision of what parts of San Jose was, was supposed to look like based on these stories that he had told me and uh, I uh, applied was accepted and started at San Jose State without ever having been to downtown San Jose uh-huh. um, and so uh, the first time that I went to the campus uh, I stepped off the bus and at this point this is the late 90s uh, most of downtown was abandoned the buildings were boarded up um, right. there was a lot of, of buildings that had you know, earthquake damage there was no one around it was a ghost town there was just nobody there and it became apparent to me very quickly that um, the world that my grandfather had described to me and, and, and what I had in my head and, and, and what I had visualized you know downtown San Jose and these neighborhoods he had spent time in um, they, they didn't exist anymore and, and what did exist wasn't in any state that I was expecting it to be in and so I actually started writing off uh, writing a series of uh, short stories poems memoir pieces about exploring uh, different parts of San Jose and trying to connect those dots and trying to find um, you know where these places were um, so as the years went on, that's that's how the project started, and, and that it was just a collection of short stories, poems, and memoir pieces. But um, as the years went on and um, redevelopment happened and, and more business and money started to pour into downtown, um, a lot of the places that had inspired those stories began to disappear. And so I began to photograph them. So that I had personal proof, you know, of, of this inspiration for these stories that I would be able to say, look, this this was here at one point, um, and it was shot on just little vacation fun saver, you know, thirty five millimeter cameras you'd buy at a drugstore, and the photos were atrocious, and I was never going <laughs> to share them. But you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> um, but. Uh, so as the years went on, I was writing and taking these just point-and-shoot photos, but I eventually started to focus more time and, and effort on the photography and um, decided to take it more seriously to teach myself, to try to um, to learn more about photography and, and what I could do to... to further this story that I had in my head. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's what did it for me, was that it actually... it was inspired by what my grandfather had told me it started off as a writing project and morphed into what it is today where it's it's a collection of images now what kind of person was your grandfather what line of work was he when he was uh, in his heyday in San Jose um, he was a union electrician so he was uh, he was a union man he's very proud of that um, he was in the union for well over 40 years. That's something that is kind of disappearing from San Jose because for the longest time, San Jose was a blue-collar manufacturing kind of place. People came here for those kind of jobs. 
and and now with the tech boom, with the recent tech boom, a lot of this, a lot of that's being pushed out. A lot of those jobs are being pushed out, and now we're getting a lot of these software companies coming in, mm-hmm. uh, which which kind of it's it's part of what you were talking about how you saw one era disappear and you're trying to capture the previous era's essence before it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really interesting that that your your grandfather came from that specific blue collar kind of kind of line of work. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's that's how the project started. But um, as the years went on, and I spent more time photographing um, after my grandfather passed away, I um, I realized that I, I I needed to photograph not only what his life had been, and and seeking out these iconic or um, you know these displays of 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 you know just San Jose. Um, it, it, I mean, the, the neon signs and, and the grand buildings and, and, and the things that are very iconic here in the community uh, and, and realized that I needed to um, also start focusing on just what my life looked like and, and what my world around me looked like as I was growing up. And so um, it, while it started off as, as kind of chasing these, these ghosts of, of my, my family's past out on the street and, and again looking for these iconic San Jose structures, um, it, it has morphed over the years into photographing what my day-to-day life looks like. I photograph the places that I work, the places that I live, the places where I spend my time um, beyond photographing San Jose as uh, things have become more expensive. Uh, friends and family have left San Jose looking for uh, a more affordable or more accommodating lifestyle. I've also began to photograph uh, the places that have become home to my friends and family after, they, after they've left San Jose. So um, that's where, where we are today, um, and, and that's how it's, it's progressed over time, is, is to, to document what my life is now, not just what I was inspired by with my grandfather. Hmm. Now, I did see your work at the Collide Gallery. At what point did you feel like your work could become this uh, medium of art? Because I'm sure in the beginning it's like for fun, right? You, you're getting stuff down for yourself. But at what point were you like, this this could potentially be a work of art that could be displayed for others to, to ponder about? Um, I don't know if I want to call it a work of art, but... Um for me, I took these photos for years without ever showing them to anyone, without ever sharing them. Um, there was no Instagram. I wasn't on Flickr. No one ever saw these. And um, the only one who ever did see the photos was my wife. And it was actually my wife that encouraged me to uh, to share the images and to put them out there and um, to share with people what my life looked like in San Jose. And... Um, so that was it was with her her prompting and, and, and her push that I put it out there um, but um, I, I, I let the images speak for themselves if, if people uh, think they're artistic if people find nostalgia in them if people are, are offended or upset or, or people find something you know quiet and, and mysterious about them whatever it is that people see in the images I leave that up to people I try not to um, persuade how people would view the photos that I'm taking. I let them speak for themselves. Um, so um, I, I've been incredibly lucky um, in the fact that I've been able to share them and put them out in galleries and 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 have people see them. But um, I did it for years without anyone ever seeing them. And if all of that went away today, I would continue to take pictures because it's something that I want to do and something I want to document, um, and, and not something that I you know. 
I, I have to get into the world. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's something personal that I do. Now, the name of the, the website is Lost in San Jose. Lost to San Jose. Lost San Jose. Yeah. Well, what was the main theme for you to choose such a title for your website? Um, Cause it, I, I feel it's okay. it's one thing to like you know take pictures of 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 you know eras or life stuff, but to actually name this collective of work Lost San Jose, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like there's a lot going on there. Okay, is there? Um, so, like I said, uh, this started off as a uh, a collection of short stories, memoir pieces, and poems. And what I collectively called all of that written work was Lost San Jose. Um, it was all stories about being lost and adrift in this sea of, of San Jose. And so um, that's where the name started, was just, again, this collection of, of stories that I was writing. Um, as the images started to um, to come into that, um, I, I just continued to use that name. Um, but then I also noticed that um, as the years went on, a lot of the things that I photographed, um, be it a, a building or a sign or a car or a person that I met that, you know, people moved on, buildings disappeared, uh, things changed. And so um, while it, it was named after this collective, you know, series of stories, um, it, it became to also symbolize that a lot of the things that I photograph over the years disappear, that, that, that they're fleeting, and that some of those moments were only there for that short period of time that I was able to photograph them. So um, it, it, it was a name that I borrowed from something else, because like I said, it was all kind of collectively running together at some point. But um, yeah, it's it's it was me being lost in the sea of San Jose, and me realizing that as I've, I've documented over the years that things have disappeared. And so that's kind of where that... Mm that name and that association for a lot of people come from is is that a lot of the stuff isn't just here anymore but at the point in time where I was photographing it uh, it was my everyday um, there was no indication that it was going to disappear but like I said things you never know things can be fleeting they can disappear hmm. now for such a, a title like that and for uh, I, you know I'm, beautiful shots that you have thank you what kind of feedback have you received from from San Jose locals um, it's all over the place. Um, most of it's been very positive or very supportive. Um, but uh, some people I've, I've had tell me that uh, they don't understand the project or they feel that I'm <laughs> casting the city in a negative light or that... Oh, no. Sorry um, to hear that. It's, uh, it's got to be annoying. They, they, they don't understand... Um, they don't feel that it's um, a, a San Jose that they live in or that they're part of. Um, but it's again, it's it's my life, my personal view, the places where I live and I work. Um, but um, like like I said, that's the the overwhelming majority. Everyone's been very supportive and, and wonderful and accepting and um, understanding of what I'm doing. And I've been very lucky in that fact. Yeah, some people get very defensive about this city. So some people really uh, um, like to create a brand out of the city. And when someone offers a different perspective, it can uh, be a place of friction. I know I had that for sure uh, with comedy because it's stand-up mm-hmm. and, and other forms. But what I like about your uh, perspective is that is that all the subjects that I've seen, 
are inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. Yet there's a great amount of storytelling happening in those images. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to hear that you were a writer first, it seems, because you were writing short stories. And for me, it's like, it makes sense now. <laughs> it totally does. Uh, because I feel some of the best images out there are the ones that have a story to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know uh, quite a few people who get into, you know, uh, photography models and all these great fashionable stylistic stuff. I'm like, that's very nice, but by the end of the day, I don't give a shit about that. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I see an image that, that, that has a story behind it, with or without a subject, with a person at least, mm -hmm. it, it really stays with you for a while. Mm -hmm. you know, and you really think about that. Uh, the thing is, is also, is that you have quite a, a few of classical cars mm -hmm. in, in your, in your, do, do you, uh, do how did you find these cars? I wondered. Like, did you have the, there's like a junkyard you go to and um, so yeah, I I kind of have a love hate relationship with the cars. Um, I uh, I didn't have a driver's license till I was 27. What's um, the story behind that? Uh, so it just I I didn't get one when I was a teenager and I just took the bus everywhere. It just didn't seem like something that I needed and uh, I was kind of famous for bumming rides off people anyways. So. Uh, it just wasn't something that I needed, but um, eventually I, you know, graduated college, got married, was getting ready to start a family, and figured I, I should probably get a driver's license and get a car. But um, so I, I never had the the beater car, the hand me down, um, never had the, the the classic car in the family. I, so I. I, I had this fascination with cars because that just wasn't part of my life for such a long period of time. Um, and so I was kind of you know living vicariously through the photos. Um, but then at the same time, um, I also feel that um, like the, the hate part is that um, you know they um, the, the cars have led to the this sprawl that is our community and um, you know the, the pollution and, and the waste and just everything that goes with the automobile. So I like I said, kind of a love hate thing with with, with the cars, but. Um, all of the cars that I photograph, they're all in my neighborhood. They're parked in front of people's homes and their driveways. They're um, just out and about in the community. Um, California uh, and, and San Jose uh, is very much part of this. It's a car culture. We're, we're a commuter culture. Um, and so everybody has, has a car. And, and again, with that California dream, there's so many people that want that classic car. They want that that piece of, of, of Americana, that, 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 that lifestyle. Uh, like, like I said, it's, it's very, uh, very much a California thing. And so, uh, again, these are a lot of these cars that I'm photographing. These are, you know, either, you know, people's project cars or cars that they've held onto that belong to their parents, um, cars that they plan to restore. Um, I talk to a lot of people that, that own the cars cause they walk out and they want to know what I'm doing. Like, wh why are you in front of my house? Why are you in my driveway photographing my car? What are you doing? Right. Um, so I'll tell them I, I I love their car. I'll show them the photos that I've taken. I'll ask them what their plans are with it. And so I get so nervous, dude. Uh, so uh, I mean, yeah. people people share all the different reasons. And so for some people, it's just you know uh, I I just want to tow it away. For some people, it was a gift. For some people, um, you know I, I always wanted a car from the year that I was born, or that you know this car belonged to my parents. I hope to restore it. Or um, you know my kid's gonna turn sixteen. I wanted them to have a cool car, and so I'm restoring this for them. So I mean, everybody has their different story and and their reason for it, but. Um, like I said, I just I, I'm fascinated by them. Um, I, I think that they're they're so iconic for their their time period. That car culture so ingrained in California and Silicon Valley and the commuter lifestyle and the sprawl that is here. Um, but then, like I said, 
all of that is also things that I don't like. I don't like the sprawl. I don't like the commuter lifestyle and, and, and everything that came from that car culture. So it's a love-hate thing with, with the cars. But um, yeah, they're, they're all just cars in my neighborhood, just mm-hmm. the things that I see day to day. So um, no, no I'm, I'm not, you know, weeds, you know, waist deep in weeds and junkyards or anything. They're just, <laughs> these are just, they're just in my neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I get nervous because I do quite a bit of street photography. And I get nervous asking permission from people to take pictures of them or of, the, of their stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? Um, every situation's a little bit different. Um, most of the time, I just take the pictures and move on, and I no one ever knew I was there, and I was just on the sidewalk, just out in public. I mean, there's nothing that I did that, that you know, that, that's out of the ordinary. Um, so, like I said, most... It, in, Again, going back to the the whole commuter culture, I could walk around San Jose for hours, and while people will pass by in their cars, I won't see another person on the sidewalk. So I could walk around for hours and take pictures and never actually interact with another person. So everything that I'm photographing, there's nobody around to ask what I'm doing. Um, But I do run into people, and um, every situation is different. I have people that um, they get upset, they get angry. Oh. I've had people threaten me. I've had people tell me they're going to call the cops on me. I've had the cops show up. Um, I don't know if because they're in what's the a, area. What's or, the story behind that one? Well, I, well, I don't know if they're in the area or because someone called them, but they wanted to know what I was doing. I've been chased by dogs. I, I've just <laughs> I, I've had any number of just odd experiences while I'm out doing it. But uh-huh. for every one of those experiences where you know um, you know something odd happens, um, there's somebody that I meet that you know I I'm fascinated by what they're fascinated by. I think. Something is beautiful that they think is beautiful, and so I have a lot of people that say, "Oh, hey, no problem, keep going," or "Hey, I've got another car in the back, you should come check it out," or "Hey, you need a bottle of water," or whatever it is. I mean, I've I've run into so many different people that have been so open and friendly and invited me into their lives or, or told me, "Oh, hey, you know, I work at a shop. It's over here on this street. You should come in. We have this really great car in the back," or "You should check this out," or "Hey, if you like this neon sign, go check out that one," or you know, whatever the situation is. So everything's a little bit different and. And um, I always try to be very thankful and positive for the people that allow me a little bit of time out of their lives. Um, if, if people get upset, I explain to them what I'm doing. If they're still upset after that, I apologize and I move on. The last thing I'm looking to do is ruins in anyone's day or, or, or to bother anybody. So I just pack up my stuff and move on. So I, I just... My I, biggest fear is they tell me to delete the photo that I just taken. And, the, and the fact that the photo is probably a beautiful photo. And it's, it's like, what do you do? Do I go like, no, and run away? Or do I like, yeah, I guess I'll delete the photo. I've never had anyone ask me to delete a photo. Oh, oh yeah. man. Um, I, Neither never, have I. I just, I'm, I'm like paranoid about it. Yeah, no, I, I've never run into that. And again, I mean, I, I'm five foot nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not an intimidating looking person by any means at all. I'm a very friendly guy. I'm very open. I'm, I'm very happy to explain to them what I'm doing. Um, if they get upset, like I said, I, I apologize and I move on. But most people, once I explain to them what I'm doing, they're like, oh, that's really cool. Hmm. Go for it. Um, they, they don't have any problem with it. So, um, But again, every situation is a little different, and so you just try to play it out. And I, like I said, I, the last thing I want to do is to bug somebody. So just move on if I'm bothering them. Now, from a young age, you mentioned that you were around photography. Your father did some photography. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you picked up from him that you feel you apply to your own photography? Nothing. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I, I, my dad's a wonderful guy, but um, he, he never taught me how to take pictures. I, I don't have any 
of his equipment. I'd never used any of his equipment. I, I've just, uh, while, you know, I, I, again, grew up with that around, um, all of, of me learning and, and everything that came, that was um, at a point in time where my, my dad was living in a different state. My, my family all moved away when I was in high school. Um, so what, been, what state did they move to? Uh, they live in Oregon. Okay. Um, so uh, he wasn't around when my interest really peaked, and so I, I've been able to share images with him after the fact. But um, he he didn't teach me. I I, I didn't learn. Um, I, again, I don't have, you know, his his old equipment to go and and use and and have fun and play with. I, I just it, it the the time frame didn't work out for that. So um, I I didn't learn anything from him besides the fact that you know it's it's okay to have a camera with you. <laughs> So where did you pick up their skills, do you think? Um, so like I said, I took an intro to photo class when I was in high school and, and I learned the, 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 the kind of the, the basics uh, of, of how to take pictures. And so when I decided that I was going to take this more seriously, um, I went to Recycle Bookstore and I bought the exact same how to take pictures guide that we used when we were in high school and I reread that and I just hit the streets and took a lot of really bad pictures for a really long time and just kind was of... Was this on like, film or digital? Uh, both. Okay. Uh, it, it started on film, um, which was uh, cost prohibitive. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, I experimented and I learned, but it was a slower process. Um, when I got my first digital camera, I was able to hit the streets really hard and, and really make a lot of mistakes and take really bad photos because I could just go home and review everything that was on the card and and just delete and, and move on and learn from my mistakes without it being um, you know the, the the cost issue that film was but um, and time right um, if if you're I mean it's still you're still gonna take the time to go out and shoot the pictures and if you're scanning it or editing it through you know Photoshop or whatever I mean, it, the time's the same so okay um, I, I mean there is the delay of having to to um, to develop the film but I, I don't really see a, a, a huge time difference between the two of them um, but I still shoot film and I still shoot digital I switch off between the two of them and I, I have since the beginning of this but um, Hmm. Yeah. So for me, it was um, it was just teaching myself and and learning from my mistakes and and just getting out there and and experimenting and and seeing how things worked and you know go, going from there. So that's uh, uh, that's that's where I am today. And I, I still make mistakes and still take the wrong photos. And it's just it's a continuous learning project. And I continue to try to push myself to to learn and 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 grow and and strive to be a better photographer was there a particular photographer that you looked up to or that was influencing um i own like hundreds of photo books so i i constantly go to these photo books as a source of inspiration um the uh, the first photographer whose work that i discovered very early on um was uh, jeff bros I, I don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly but um he did a series of books, uh, my favorite, which is called uh, Approaching Nowhere, but I really enjoyed his work. Um, but over the years, um, uh, William Eggleston and um, uh, Saul Leiter and, jeez, uh, I, I just, like I said, it's just, it's so many people. But um, also just working with photographers and people that I meet in the community and just, you know, getting out there and, and meeting other people that are doing the same thing. Interesting. Is there a community of photographers out there? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
I thought, I thought you guys were like lone wolves. I thought that was like a lone wolf so, kind of thing. Well, when you're actually taking the pictures, yeah. I, I've been in group settings, and, and if if you're all out on the street together, you're kind of stepping on each other's toes. And uh, <laughs> when you go home, while you know no one's going to have the exact same images, it's going to be obvious everyone was kind of in the same place at the same time. Um, I mean, I love to go out and shoot with my friends, um, but yeah, once you're actually out there, it's you're kind of on your own. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll go out with either just another single photographer or maybe even with a group. Um, but we all kind of find a, a central location we meet, and then everybody just kind of disperses and goes off to do their own thing because um, it, once you're actually in the act, yeah, you're you're kind of on your own. It's it's your own vision and what you're out there to do. But um, you know, we all. We all go there together, we disperse, and at the end we all get back together and, and we compare and, and see what other people found or, or you know, you know, oh, I, I was shooting this, where'd you see that? I was over here, oh, I missed that, I should have gone that way, or, you know. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, a wonderful community of photographers that are here in the Bay Area, as well as um, what's available online. So um, I've got a group of, uh, friends and photographers that I've met here in the Bay Area, um, as well as people that I, I regularly interact with uh, through uh, Flickr or through Instagram. So an, an online group of us that, uh, you know, we, we all live in, in different places or different states or, or whatever the situation is, but we all um, share our, our, our images and our stories and, and, you know, we'll even occasionally meet up with each other as well. Now, I, as of right now, I'm sticking with digital photography and uh, I'm kind of most of my photography I convert to black and white. Okay. I feel like there's a sense of romanticism okay. to to the black and white photography, and because colors uh, they uh, intimidate me. Okay. I'm not too sure how to shoot colors, even in post, like how, how to how to you know convert different shades of color. Okay. Did you start off uh, shooting color once you took it you know seriously at mm-hmm. this level? Or did you start with black and white, trying to get the, your, your 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 photography voice going first? Um, I've always shot in color, um, and like I said, with the exception of you know, intro to photo in high school, which was all in black and white. Um, but uh, I've always shot in color. I don't know. For me, it makes sense. The world's in color. Everything around me. If that's how I see it, that's how I want to document it. So. Um, I've I've tried to shoot black and white over the years, off and on, and and, and I have, and I have some really. Um, I, I mean, I have a collection of images, but um, both on film as well as digital. But um, I primarily prefer to shoot in color. It's just again, that's how I see the world, and so that's how I want to document the world. So. Um, I know that's just how I've always approached it. And you started in the '90s, right? Uh, well, yeah, that's when I um, that, that's when I took the the intro to photo class. That's when the short stories started, and then I picked up with the photography again in two thousand one. Two thousand one, and yeah. Photoshop was around like a, a a lot back in the day among photographers. Um, I, I the first several years I took pictures, I never edited any of them. I I didn't have any software. I couldn't afford any software. Um, further along in the process, when I started shooting in raw. Um, and when I started scanning my uh, negatives, um, I had a friend that gave me a copy of Photoshop for free. 
um, so I would have something to be able to process or edit the raw images or the scan negatives in. Um, but I had absolutely no idea how to use the software. So it was kind of like, what does this button do? Oh, undo, undo. Um, so I, I never really <laughs> learned. Thank God for that undo button. Yeah, I, I never really learned uh, in any great detail how to use Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Um, I still continue to use that program. I don't use Lightroom. I have no idea how to use it. I'm so inept when it comes to photo editing. So um, the result of that has been that I realized that when I'm out taking pictures on film or digital or whatever format that um, what I want is what I'm going to have to get. I'm not one of those people that's like, okay, well, I'll just take that out and post or I'll drop in a different background or a sky or let me crop that out. Like, I, I can't do that. I, I just... I, so old school, huh? Yeah, so I mean, even though I'm shooting digital, there's there's very little that I'm doing to the images actually when I'm I'm opening them up, and same thing with the scans that I'm doing. It's I, I don't believe in in cropping, and I don't believe in in changing the images. So if it's digital or film, whatever I got is what I got. There's not going to be much happening in post processing because I don't know how, and I don't really see a point in making many changes to the photos. So I just kind of leave them be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's some photographers who are from older generations who actually judge the current photographers using uh, software. Mm -hmm. they, they say they have it too easy almost. Yeah. But I, on your website, you mentioned that you are a fourth generation yes. San Jose resident. Yes. Uh, can you talk about the first generation? Like, who, who were your, I wouldn't say ancestors, but who were your, you know, two, four generations generations ago? Like, kind of people were they, and why did they move over here? Okay, so uh, my great grandfather was a telegrapher. He did Morse code. He worked for the railroads. Wow! And so he followed the railroads to San Jose. There was a job out here for him. This was the Great Depression. He came out here with his wife and his kids. My grandfather being one of those kids. Um, and he made San Jose his home. Um, my grandfather um, so spent part of his his younger life and teenage years here in San Jose. He grew up in Hester. Um, so when he was a teenager, he worked as an usher at the Hester Theater, you know, sweeping up popcorns and watching you know free movies. Um, he went to uh, San Jose High and then went to Lincoln after Lincoln was built. He was drafted into World War II his senior year. Um, what did he do in the military? Uh, he worked for the Army Air Corps, so he was hoping to be a, a bomber pilot, but um, he uh, he washed out. He he didn't make it through flight school, so um, he um, did uh, airplane repair and maintenance and, and different things, and so he never actually left the States. And so he told me once that... Uh, when he was younger, he was really hurt that, you know, he spent all this time in the military in World War II and never left the United States. And he felt that, you know, he, he you know, he wanted to be out there in the front and, and making a difference. And as he got older, he realized how incredibly lucky he was that he was drafted into the military, learned to trade, got to travel the United States and come back and be able to... Um, apply that trade to be able to, you know, qualify for VA loans and, you know, and, and, and training and everything that went with that and was never at a risk at any point through any of that of, of you know, losing his life or, mm -hmm. or being in peril. So, um, yeah, so he was real hurt by that when he was younger, but as he got older, he realized what a, a huge blessing and, and, and stroke of luck that was for him. Um, but he uh, he became an electrician. He bought a house here in San Jose. Is there a connection that your great-grandfather -grand was a telegraph, 
you know, he, he had to deal with electricity and Morse code, and your grandfather also did electricity. Um, just something that's passed down. Yeah, no, just kind of how things went. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no luck of the draw there. No, you know, no passing on the talents through the generations or anything. It's just something my grandfather did. Um, and then your father. So well, so the the generations of my family that have been here for for four generations. So that was on my mom's side. So then um, my mom uh, was born and raised here, and she also went to Lincoln High School, um, which is where my son's going to go. By the way, which is a little weird that my son's going to be going to the same school as his grandmother and great grandfather. Um, it's a dynasty, and that's yeah, cool. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So, and my mom was born and raised here, and she met my dad here. So. Um, yeah, and then that that uh, that leaves me here. So, um, where's your French side? I have no idea. I, I haven't done much genealogy work on my dad's side, so I'm not really sure where the last name came from or or the history behind any of that. Hmm. And uh, now it's so your son will be the fifth generation San Jose yes. resident, yeah. which is rare. Not that many people stick around here for that long. Yeah, the the whole manifest destiny thing. People come out here, they try to make their riches and move on. If it's gold or high tech or whatever it is, people people don't really see this as a permanent home. Um, but uh, yeah, my my family's been here for quite a long time. I I think San Jose is wonderful. So. I'm not planning on going anywhere, but um, yeah, there's there's all in, in all of California is that way. I feel like a lot of people come out here, they want to spend their time, and then they they move on afterwards. So. Have you traveled around with your photography work in, outside of the South Bay or the Bay Area? Traveled in in what sense? Like to go take pictures elsewhere? Take pictures elsewhere, but to show people who have no context of San Jose, and you show them the images that you've taken of San Jose. Mm-hmm. Like, have you had that experiences and feedback? Um, so I mean, I've I've definitely photographed outside uh, of San Jose. So as I mentioned, as as my friends and family have left San Jose um, to to find um, you know a more affordable life out there, um, I, I've documented the places that have become home for them. So I've spent a lot of time photographing um, Oregon and Washington, um, parts of Central California, Southern California. I'm just places uh, again that I'm, I'm visiting and spending my time as I'm seeing friends and family. Um, I've shown my work um, in galleries in Southern California and then um, as far as what's online um, I, I mean that's that's available to the world so I've had people that have reached out to me from all over the US um, to, to, to comment or, or like or share or ask questions about the photos that I've taken um, I've also, um, with the, the neon signs that I've photographed, there is this um, collective uh, group on Instagram of, of sign geeks that love neon signs. And so we've, uh, we've met up in different cities and different states to photograph neon signs. And that's people from all over, not only the United States, but from all over the world. So um, you know, meeting up with uh, friends from Amsterdam and Oakland to shoot signs and uh, it's just um, you know sharing that experience. So um, yeah, I mean with with Instagram and with Flickr, you're able to share your 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 vision and your images with people all over the world. Now, considering the changing climate and social and economic mm-hmm. uh, uh, places here in San Jose, mm-hmm. uh, do you kind of see the uh, passing of being, you know, San Jose resident for generations, um, 
not necessarily a threat, but are you embracing the the recent tech boom that's that's really changing the, the landscape around here? Well, I mean, the tech boom's been here for a, a long time. If it's Lockheed or if it's IBM or it's Hewlett Packard, I mean, there's there's decades and generations of people that have worked for these companies. Um, so I mean, that's 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 been here a long time and before it was um, you know the tech industry that was changing things I mean this is where all of the innovations and in, in, in farming and, and all of that was coming from so I mean this has always been uh, a land of, of opportunity and innovation and, and I feel like that's always going to be here it's just kind of the spirit of, of where we are in Silicon Valley um, but um, I mean if that's going to affect me staying here or, or embracing that, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. I mean, um, I, I mean, cities grow and change and and evolve, and um, it, it's it's something that's you know a, something that's going to continue. And with San Jose being the tenth largest city, it's going to continue to evolve into a large city. And I I have no comments on that. I mean, things. Again. Well, for me, like I, I sometimes I question myself. I was like, if I knew that in in a year or so I'm gonna have to move out mm-hmm. from San Jose or where I lived for, mm-hmm. for all my life, uh, would I be okay with that, mm-hmm. or would I leave with bitterness? So uh, that's pretty much what I'm asking. It's like if if if, if it uh, hopefully it doesn't happen, but let, let's say you know you're gonna have to move out of San Jose, mm-hmm. would you say that? You see that as an optimistic opportunity, or do you feel uh, would it be more not okay? I don't, I don't, I don't know the word to really put it. I don't know. I guess it would depend on the circumstances, but um, I'm I, I don't see myself leaving San Jose for any reason. I don't see anything coming up that would change that. So um, I don't know. It, it, to me, it would depend on the situation, but no, I. I, I wouldn't have any animosity to the city if I had to leave for one reason or another. Um, like I said, I mean, it, it, San Jose is its own entity. It's going to continue to grow and shift and change on its own, and I have no control over that. Right, right. Um, so why why be upset about that? Eh, I don't know. Some people are. I don't know. The uh, what, A couple of weeks ago, the, the Apple thing happened here. At the same time, Comic-Con happened. Mm-hmm. All this different people. I was like, I'm not gonna survive this. I cannot. <laughs> with this community, with this kind of people, with that mon- amount of money, I ain't gonna survive this. I must well get ready. I don't know. That's me. I don't know. Uh, but going back to your photography work, okay. I know you mentioned that you've also did quite a bit of signs. You take pictures of signs. Mm-hmm. Um, when did that interest first sparked for you to t- to to make those your subjects? Um. So for me, I, um, I, I grew up um, off of Bascom and um, San Carlos and San Jose. I grew up in that kind Ooh, of general area. That's an interesting place. And um, so growing up, if you went out onto Bascom Avenue, um, heading towards San Carlos, everywhere you went, there were giant signs. And so um, for me, I just assumed that anywhere you went in the U.S., there was these giant, lumbering, you know, beautiful neon signs, and, and each one was unique and different and, and, and was specific to that business, and I, I just assumed everything was like that. And as I got older and I had an opportunity to travel, I realized that um, there are not a lot of neon signs out there, and there aren't a lot of communities that have them, and the ones that are in San Jose are exactly what I thought they were, completely unique 
to our neighborhood and and the businesses that are there. So um, after you know stepping out of San Jose for the first time and realizing that when I started this project, the signs were the first things that I started to photograph. Um, I thought that they were very iconic. I thought that they were very much part of the fabric of, of the neighborhood where I grew up, um, where I continue to spend my time. I drive up and down San Carlos every single day. Um, and realizing that um, across the U.S. that these these neon signs are um, they're these warm glowing time capsules for what they are in their community. So um, you're going to find neon that's going to reflect every popular typography, everything that was was a trend from the space race to cowboys to you know. Um, you know whatever it was um you're going to find neon that's going to reflect that it's going to be um unique to its community it was going to be designed specifically for the businesses that were in that community and um you're never going to find another one that's like that so um that's a fascinating stretch of road <laughs> san carlos which yeah. turns to stevens creek yeah uh, it's it's amazing that you mentioned that because i do feel that particular stretch of road offers something so different to the community or to the South Bay and that so many types of cultural food is mm -hmm. available on mm -hmm. that stretch of road. Yeah. So many, like you mentioned, architecture. Like yeah. you, you could actually see the different eras of yeah. San Jose, starting from downtown, moving on to the 70s and how uh, different, even different suburbs, yeah. the way that their houses are, are architectured. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that you grew up in that area. And that you live in that area, and and I always felt I'm not sure you felt it, but I always felt there was a sense of uh, I wouldn't say magical energy, but there's something there. There's like a flow, a vibe around that Bascom San Carlos. Yeah. Um, you know, especially I don't know for me when I'm driving around the sunset, like I just feel it. Yeah. Um, Midtown San Jose is interesting and it's unique, and because that um, patches of it are unincorporated San Jose, they're part of the county. Um, it, the sign ordinances didn't apply that there there are pieces of history there that weren't affected by uh, the, like other parts of San Jose uh, were affected so um, there are still great examples of again the neon signs mid-century architecture um, there's still a, a, a sea of independent businesses that are there and um, I feel like it's just a really vibrant and colorful part of San Jose um, and um, I, I, I really hope that it, it, it makes it through the long haul. I, I really enjoy that part of San Jose. I think that there's something really unique about it and um, encourage people to go spend time there and go to visit the businesses and, and, and make it part of, of what their vision of San Jose is. But um, there's a lot of development going in there. There's a lot of um, plans to... Um, use San Carlos to connect the different neighborhoods because San Carlos connects downtown to Willow Glen and the Rose Garden and Shasta Hatchet and Hatchet and um, uh, Santana Row and I mean that's that's how you get along that channel so um, there's a lot of potential for development there. A light rail I heard was supposed to go through that right? I when I was going through De Anza there's talks of like having a light rail go from downtown to Cupertino, yeah, um, on, sure. on San Carlos. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So there's, there, there's, there's a lot of potential for change there. But I hope that they're able to um, maintain some of the, the the history and what's unique about that area.
Hmm. Uh, any other common? Because uh, from the website, you know, I'm sure you selected specific photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any other kind of photography that you 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 shoot subjects that you shoot that you don't feel like you put it out there as much? Um. I I I photograph what I see, what I feel like. Uh, I don't limit myself to one type of photography over another. Um, like I said, I, I document what, what I, it's, it's, it's intangible. It, it's hard to describe, but it's, you know, when I see it, I know it and I photograph it. So, um, if it's, you know, something somebody dropped on the street, if it's a business, if it's a person that I meet, if it's, um, a car parked on the street, uh, whatever the situation is, I, I'm, if, if I feel that there's something there, um, I'm going to, to, to document it and, and share that. But, um, uh, there, there isn't, you know, you know, me leaning towards one type of photography or another, or making judgment on another type of photography. I just, I take the pictures that I want to take and share them. Now it's interesting that you describe it as documenting. Mm-hmm. Why do you describe it as documenting? Because um, that implies that you're saving it for a reason, or you're saving it for historical purposes. Well, um, when I, when I say document, I mean with, with photography. Um, I mean, what you see through the viewfinder is what you get. I mean, there's not a lot that I can do to manipulate or change an image. So um, the photo that I take, that's me documenting that moment in time, that split second that I took it. So, um, you know, unlike if I were to, you know, do a painting or write a story, there's elements that I could put in or leave out with photography. It's it's a lot harder to put in or take out elements because you're presented with a, a scene. You, you, you have that moment of time. Mm. So um, it, it's it's much more a sense of documenting than like again like writing a story or doing a painting or something. But but I find it interesting because that's essentially what you are doing. Because photography, what is it really? It's you holding still a moment of time through light. Mm-hmm. This image that's created, it's through light, and you technically you frozen time by taking this photograph, which. I don't know, before photography, was there even a concept of such a thing to happen? Because mm-hmm. when you draw, you know, you're not freezing anything necessarily yeah. of an image, but with photography, you are literally freezing time. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> okay. It's fascinating. Did, did, did I get too much for you? Sorry. Nope, nope, no worries. No. <laughs> well, we're getting there. We're getting towards the end. Okay. It's almost an hour. Okay. We're almost there. All right. How are you feeling so far? I'm, I'm okay. You're good? Yeah. All right. Um, usually, I, I ask this for musicians and others, but you were the first photographer, so okay. I, I'm quite curious. Can you describe the evolution of your gear from the first camera that you start taking pictures with, okay. how'd you get it and the story behind it, okay. to the different photog- uh, cameras they, they use even now? Okay. Um, well, I've always felt that whatever gear that you're using doesn't really matter it's the person that's holding it. And I know a lot of other photographers feel the same way. So um, if I'm holding my cell phone, a disposable camera, uh, my digital SLR, wh- whatever it is, it, it, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what's in my hands. It's, it's the image that I took and, and the person that was holding that equipment. So um, I... Um, I use a lot of different equipment. Um, I, like I said, I have a digital SLR that I use. Um, I have 
Um, my cell phone that I use, I have um, plastic cameras, a whole gun, a Diana that I've shot with. I have um, a 35mm point-and-shoot that I uh, I keep with me. Um, it's very small. I can just throw it in my pocket. That's always with me. Um, I have a medium format uh, point-and-shoot camera that I use, which is like the size of a book. The thing's massive, but um, I, I regularly carry that with me as well. So um, I switch up what I use, and, and like I said, at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters what gear I'm using. It just matters that I was out there to take the images. Is there a particular brand that you're loyal to? No. No. Um, I my no. <laughs> Uh, I have gear from Canon, Olympus, Fuji. Uh, it just it, it was whatever you know I, I thought was interesting or, or, or felt natural or felt comfortable to use. Um, the first time I ever shot with a digital camera, um, I was my brother had bought one. It felt comfortable. I liked the the way that it. it it worked. Um, it was a Canon, so when I bought one, it was a Canon, and then it just kind of continued from there. But uh, again, I mean, that's just that's just the SLR. Every 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 camera I owns a, a different brand, a different maker, and huh. it just again, it, it doesn't really matter which one I'm using. It just matters that I was out there to take the photos. How often do you use your your cell phone? Um, I figure that's kind of a of a faux pas for photographers, is it? No. No? No. Um, I um, I did an entire series of images where um, I just wanted to just hit the streets with my cell phone to see what I could do with it, to see what was possible. Um, I shot it all using Hipstamatic. I felt that with the Hipstamatic app, unlike a lot of other photo apps where you would take the photo and then edit and apply filters and, and tweaks and, and do different things with Hipstamatic, you selected a lens and you selected a film um, and then you shot the images and once they were shot you couldn't go in and change them or edit or move the film or lenses around you couldn't do anything so I felt like even though it was digital and it was on my cell phone it was still as close to shooting with film as as you could get because you, you were kind of locked in once you had made your selection so um, I shot a whole series of images with that um, that um, I've I, I continue to do um, just uh, I may not always have a camera with me. I always try to, but I always have my cell phone with me. So sometimes it's just again, it's it's what's available and the best one, you know, the the best equipment's the one that's in your hand. So um, I've also um, over the years, um, I I like to go to flea markets and, and dig around and look for odds and ends or buy expired films or, or find old cameras um, to try to use. And um, I've shot a whole series of images that while they're not on my website, they show up on my um, my. Facebook or uh, Twitter feed on occasion, but um, all uh, shot at local flea markets, and they're all shot from the hip. They're all um, just shot using my phone because I'm just walking around shopping, and you know something pops up, and it's a lot easier to just pull out your phone and get the image than to you know walk around the flea market with you know a larger camera. So um, yeah, so cool. Yeah. Now, what's some advice you give to a young photographer who's considering? doing this uh, fully? Um, You're on your own kid? No, well, okay, so <laughs> everybody has their, has their own approach to photography and everyone has their own vision for what they want to do. So um, 
for me, when people reach out to me and they're curious about my photography and how I got started or, or what my approach is, I generally tell people to, um, the best thing that they can do is just get out of their car and to walk around. Um, just, you know, put some miles on your shoes to walk around, to, um, to take a wrong turn, to go somewhere you've never been before, um, to realize that there are mysterious things that are waiting for you in familiar places, um, uh, which is um, how uh, one, of my one of my favorite photographers, Saul Leiter, would always say was, you know, there's mysterious things in familiar places. Um, realizing that, you know, there's photos to take in your front yard, your backyard, your neighborhood where you live. So um, try to see your environment through the lens that, you know, you're surrounded by things that are unique and interesting to your experience and uh, to just get out there and, and to walk and to spend some time and don't worry about the gear or the cameras or the lenses or or the likes or the follows or anything else. None of that matters. Um, <laughs> the likes to, and the follows. Yeah, just to get out there and 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 spend some time and to and to, to walk some miles and and just find something that 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 interests you. Um, awesome. Uh, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Los San Jose. Um, I have a website which is lossanjose.com. The blog's also on the website. Um, and uh, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Silicon Valley. I'm everywhere. Um, I also do uh, shows occasionally. Um, I've got some zines that are out there in community as well. So, um, yeah, there are lots of places to find me, but uh, my website and Instagram are probably the best places to, to, to see what I'm up to on any given day. Joshua, thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah it's a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot. All right. I feel all more right. confident now all right. when all I go right. out. All right, hit the streets. And and and, and uh, thank you for the gift, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Let's see. You got me a, a one of your photographs of, of the steering wheel inside of a car of a steering wheel looking out. Yeah. What's the What's the story behind this one? Um, that was uh, so. I was doing a uh, so. A lot of the photographs that I take are part of an ongoing project. So um, I, um, I, I have an ongoing project called The Same Streets Every Day, and that's me photographing the neighborhoods where I, I live and work. So um, a lot of time spent in, in Willow Glen and Midtown and, and, and the Burbank area. Um, I do um, series based on kind of where I am as far as location is concerned. So I did a project called Monterey Highway. And at that point, I was on Monterey Road every single day. And so I began documenting Monterey Highway from the outskirts of downtown San Jose all the way out to where it dead-ended into Gilroy. And uh, same thing, I would walk the streets every day, anywhere from a mile to 10 miles in a day. Uh, I would photograph the things that I see, the people that I meet, and, and just kind of whatever um, you know caught my attention. So um, that was taken uh, while I was on uh, a walk heading out to Monterey Highway. Um, it was a uh, an Impala that was parked in front of somebody's house they were working on. Uh, I just. It, it caught my attention, just the, the colors of it, the fact that the seats were coming undone and all of the cotton was coming out, just uh, just something about the, the colors of the blue and the white and, and the lighting, and just, uh, it just, it caught my attention. So that was from the uh, the, the Monterey Highway project, but um, yeah, not, not, nothing, no, no amazing stories or anything. It just, you know, was walking down the street and said, oh, hey, what's over here? And you, know? you got in the car? <laughs> no, no that, that was shot through the back window of the car. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. 
dude, I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. It's gonna go right up there. All right. Awesome. Right, right, right up there. I, I might even take a picture and, and put it to, to the listeners. Be like, guess what, Josh gave me. <laughs> All right, Josh. All right, jo- Joshua. I'm sorry. Do, do you prefer a certain way to be told? Josh. Josh, Josh. is fine. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. For, for coming. Yeah. And um, oh, I'm just finding a proper place to put it. There you go. And uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. There you go. Pretty cool guy, huh? You should really check out his work once again at LosSanJose.com. Uh, please support this guy. Support what he does. And uh, I believe he, he also has an Instagram account that you can check out. Just search for Los San Jose. And also he has a Twitter handle called at Los San Jose. All right, people. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You already know all the places you can subscribe. And if you haven't already, please check out the jmspodcast.com. I'm excited. I got some new content coming pretty soon. Working on some new segments. And I'm working on another food article. So please stay tuned for that. All right, guys. Till next week. Have a good one. Have a good week.